At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of your Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your daily podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us once again. A game day edition. Hornets will be hosting the Los Angeles Lakers, the defending world champion Los Angeles Lakers tonight, although the team looks very different from the one that won the title last season. A lot of injuries have befallen the Lakers, much as they have the Hornets. We'll talk about that. Also, another columnist has weighed in on the LaMelo Ball Rookie of the Year debate. I like this one a lot better, at least the argument, so we'll tell you about that. And we got to keep reacting to the dunk of the year, dunk of the decade, what Miles Bridges did on that floor Sunday as the reason why you go to NBA games to witness history in person because you never know what might happen. We'll continue to talk about that. My producer Rob Longo here with me today on the HHC. And Rob, the comments on this dunk have been coming in from everywhere. One of my favorite reactions that I've seen so far is from Rob Perez. He does such a great job kind of finding the funnier things or the more lighthearted things around the association. So he tweeted out, been thinking about Miles Bridges' dunk all day because of how regularly he does these now. I'm ready to include him in the, if he's on the floor the other team's families have to worry their loved ones lives are at risk group so he added sean kemp blake griffin vince carter daryl dawkins dominique wilkins zion williamson and Shaq. and he added in a follow-up tweet that this is not a conversation about the best or flashiest dunkers 
This is about the players who dunk or dunked so violently with such force that paramedics should be required to sit courtside just in case. And then he also replied to a couple of fans and added that if he had more characters to use in his initial tweet, he would have added DeAndre Jordan and Giannis Antetokounmpo as well. So a pretty elite list and a pretty fun list to look at from Rob Perez. Yeah, not a bad list there at all to be associated with. Miles is a guy I wish we could see like a, a sports science on. Like, what is the exact force that Miles bridges? And then, you know, equate that to it's like a, I don't know, an elephant jumping on top of a beach ball or something like that's the force that he has or the hops that he has he was just ridiculous the fan videos have been excellent as well as I mentioned plays like that are the reason why you like to go to NBA games is because it's one thing to see it on television or hear the radio call but it's something completely different to see it in person and there were several videos taken from inside the arena there was one that was posted it's about 20 seconds long I think the only actual English words in it were oh my god but everything else was just these excited utterances in awe of what had just taken place and the sound within the arena it was just echoing for two or three plays in a only partially opened arena nowhere near even 50 percent capacity it was something truly special i'm just glad that it's getting the recognition across the league and across the sports world that it deserves because it's a superhuman play miles bridges jumped over one of the elite shot blockers in the nba made it look like he was going up against a normal human clint capella is third in the association in blocks and miles bridges absolutely framed him up on a poster the other thing that people don't really realize too is he took off from just beyond the restricted area too so he still had to cover a lot of ground in the air my initial reaction to the miles dunk was the first thing that i noticed on the replay was Devontae Graham. So he's at the top of the paint. He's beyond the arc. He kind of relocates to the elbow on three-point line in case Miles is going to kick it. And obviously that was not on Miles' mind at all. And then as he's running back down the court, he just kind of puts his hands on his head like, did that really just happen? And then the second thing that I looked at after I watched it was, thank goodness that Terry Rozier got out of the way because on the initial rebound, he was on the ground in the restricted area. And Cody Zeller was able to gather the ball then kick it out to Miles Bridges. And if Terry didn't get out of the way, that could have been just as disastrous for him as it was for Clint Capella. And one more thing I forgot to mention on the social media side of things. On Saturday, Miles replied to a fan on Twitter on whether he prefers an alley-oop dunk or a poster dunk. And he replied, poster easily. So what a soothsayer is Miles Bridges. I have to ask him for the Powerball numbers next time I see him. He was incredible in that one and I like your take on the player reactions as well I saw that with Devante it's been fun seeing you know it's kind of like all the different angles on the floor what players were looking like afterwards you're spot on with Devante Graham he just had his hands on his head and then off the bench LaMelo Ball came out with his you know his walk his strut and they played it on the TV broadcast so I've seen the replay several times but some fans someone spotted a similarity to his dad his dad when he used to go on TV he'd have like this walkout like high step kick his legs type of extension thing it looks just like LaBello hopping off the bench so uh one of those apple doesn't fall too far from the tree moments where uh, it took a Miles Bridges dunk to bring the LaVar Ball walk out of LaMelo on the bench man it was something special again third time 
that's why you go to NBA games to see things like that, and it's one of the fun aspects of this team is there's always something to see obviously when LaMelo Ball is healthy a pass you can't see anywhere else on earth is liable to happen any moment Terry Rozier coming through in the clutch Miles Bridges leaping ability there are things we try to capture on radio or on television calls but there's nothing like being there in person so if you want to make your plans to join us either tonight at the Hive when the Hornets host the Los Angeles Lakers or maybe tomorrow against the Cleveland Cavaliers or on any of the other games on the remainder of the home schedule. Go to Hornets.com for all of the ticketing information. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the Rookie of the Year Award. It is kind of fallen back a little bit, I think, in terms of the national conversation. I think people have kind of fallen into two camps. One, assuming that it's over, LaMelo Ball has won it. Or two, it's over, LaMelo Ball can't win it, so who cares? But we're going to give you the take of a national sports writer and a recent article he published in just a moment here on the Hornets Hivecast. Buzz City, it's time to return to the Hive. There are a limited number of socially distanced tickets available for each game. Fans can expect enhanced cleaning and disinfection procedures and an upgraded ventilation system at Spectrum Center because the health and safety of the team, staff, and guests is the top priority at the Hive. Join us Wednesday the 14th at 7 p.m. when Miles Bridges and the Hornets fly again hosting the Cleveland Cavaliers. Tickets on sale now at Hornets.com. Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the HHC. Rob, you spotted this article online. It was on CBSSports.com by Brad Batkin about the Rookie of the Year vote, and he thinks it's a done deal. He's giving it to LaMelo. So obviously I like this guy. Why don't you give me your synopsis first on this article and your take from it? Well, so the biggest eye-opener for me was he talks to a couple of Eastern Conference scouts in the article, and a lot of them talked about how it's a done deal because of the winning aspect of it. The one scout here said that, oh yeah, it's a done deal in my view. Even if Anthony Edwards finishes with better stats or better scoring stats, I should say, LaMelo was actually impacting winning. That's the difference to me. Hornets coach James Borrego is coaching his tail off trying to get that team in the postseason, and he couldn't keep LaMelo off the floor. And then another scout talked about how LaMelo has been able to win over the locker room so quickly. And they said, what has impressed him the most about LaMelo's rookie season? A second conference scout said the way he's gotten the vets slash his teammates to believe in him so quickly. So those were the big two things that I took out of it. Obviously different when it comes voting time for rookie of the year because it's media members that vote on it. It's not scouts or coaches or anything like that. It's kind of hard to tell maybe what the sentiment is for some of these media members compared to scouts I mean maybe they don't see eye to eye on a couple of things but if I'm a common fan or you know if I'm just a fan of the NBA in in general I'm going to side with the opinion of a scout 11 times out of 10 so hearing that from two different scouts has me a lot more confident in LaMelo Ball's chances to win rookie of the year my two big takeaways from reading the article one is when you touched on that LaMelo got his numbers not because anything was just given to him because he's the hotshot rookie they want to start development on the floor immediately and not in spite of JB not giving him starting minutes right from the get-go either. He made the rookie go through the process and wait his time and earn his minutes. And I think that's what stands out to me. Because he had to earn it, there is no question that these stats are 
productive towards winning or else he wouldn't be out there to make them. If he were not a better option than some of the alternatives on the floor or on the bench, JB would have gone to those other options. And, you know, sometimes rookies just get minutes because it's time to start development right away and the team's not going places. But the Hornets didn't restrict LaMelo, but they certainly were not going to restrict some of their other players right from day one just to benefit him. And and probably the pandemic and the restrictions on access to the court and your teammates and summer league probably played into that a little bit in halting development of this entire rookie class. But LaMelo's his abilities are undeniable, and the statistics he put forth as a starter, there's no question he was the best option on the team when he started to get out there and really hit his stride. The other thing that stuck out to me, Rob, was he did kind of a breakdown. Brad Botkin, the author of this article on CBSSports.com about LaMelo Ball being the pick in his eyes for Rookie of the Year, is that he broke down the primary stat that I think most people look to for if you should be Rookie of the Year, and that is leading the rookie class in scoring. He said from 2001 to 2016, only four rookie year winners were not the leading rookie scorer. So that would be a mark against LaMelo because even in the time he was out there, even if you just restricted to him as a starter, he's not going to end up being the leading scorer compared to Anthony Edwards. Edwards is just on fire. He's scoring 20-plus points per game. His numbers are going to end up better in the points-per-game column than LaMelo's. But three of the last four winners were not the leading scorer in their class. And of that previous group, the 2001 to 2016, the four that weren't, one of them's LeBron James. So I think the point of that is, yes, it's a statistical award more often than not. But if there is a legitimate reason why the leading scorer did not contribute or earn the award more so than someone who is further down the ladder, then you give it to the next guy. Now, the one kind of negative about that, Rob, is that most of the players who did not win it were injured. It was a guy like Zion Williamson who led the rookie class in scoring but didn't get the award because he didn't play enough games compared to a Ja Morant. So it kind of cuts both ways in that sense. But I did come away hopeful that LaMelo will get his just due. I still maintain that if he doesn't play again – and the scoring average on the season for Anthony Edwards ends up at 19 points per game or north of that, it's probably going to go to Edwards, unfortunately. That's just my gut instinct on this, but I don't think there's a question on who the best rookie in this class is right now in most people's estimations. It's just a a technicality that's keeping so many people who have said it publicly from voting for him. Well, and you touched on it a little bit about how Anthony Edwards is putting up these really solid numbers right now, but his usage rate is also extremely high. I looked up the usage rates. Anthony Edwards has a usage rate of 30 or higher in 19 games this season. And in those games, the Timberwolves are a 4-15 and 15 mark. So it doesn't equate exactly to the more that they use Edwards, the more that they win. In comparison to LaMelo Ball, he has a usage rate of 30 or higher in seven games this season. And the Hornets, for what it's worth, have a record of 1-6. and six. So a higher usage rate for rookie doesn't equate to a team's success. But obviously, LaMelo's usage rate was down because it didn't have to be that high on a nightly basis to begin with when you have guys like Terry Rozier 
and Devontae Graham and Gordon Hayward. And a lot of those guys were healthy for the majority of the time that LaMelo was also healthy. It's not like the other side with Anthony Edwards, who was dealing with a D'Angelo Russell injury the majority of the season that he didn't play. And Carl Anthony Towns also missed some times as well. So Anthony Edwards was pretty much the only offensive player at that point on the Timberwolves squad. So I just thought the usage rates were interesting. When you get to a number like 30 in terms of usage rate, you're talking all-time single-season records for the most part. I mean, obviously his usage rate isn't that high for the entire season, but for 19 games, I thought that was pretty high for a rookie. Well, and see that stuff there is part of the reason why I don't think you should hold it against a rookie, Anthony Edwards or otherwise, for playing on bad teams because they just do. I think you look at it less as, okay, why is this person scoring so much and trying to figure out a way to knock them saying, well, the team's not very good. Someone's got to score points. It is the NBA. And look at it more like, hey, it is not an easy thing to score 20 points per game in the National Basketball Association. Who cares who else is on your team? Look who they're going up against. Anthony Edwards is going up against legitimate NBA players, defenders, night in, night out. He is making some top 10 highlight plays. He is consistently scoring the basketball. And yeah, he's not as efficient a player as most other players who average the kind of points per game he does. It's to be expected. He's a, a one-and-done rookie. LaMelo Ball, similarly, I'm not shocked that when his usage rate is that high, the team's record is that poor. It's a byproduct of learning the league, and it's one of the reasons, again, I'll go back to it. I think JB deserves a lot of praise for bringing along LaMelo at the speed that he did. LaMelo, every step he took, he was ready for. Nothing was rushed. Nothing happened too fast for him. That's not to say it wouldn't have been the exact same thing if he was a starter from day one, but we'll never know that. We do know that the pace at which he was brought along by JV and his staff ends up being a perfect one in terms of him hitting his stride each and every night and uh, having a lot of hope for the future for his career and for this Hornets franchise. Future is now in terms of the next game up. Hornets trying to bounce back from a loss to the Atlanta Hawks. They're going to host the Los Angeles Lakers tonight. We'll give you our preview next here on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets fans, during the month of April, the Charlotte Hornets and their official hunger relief partner, Food Lion Feeds, are launching the 2021 Dunk Hunger Food Drive to benefit Second Harvest Food Bank of Metrolina. The Bridges who throws it down with a right hand. For every Hornets dunk this month, slams it down with two hands. Food Lion will donate 1,000 meals. Terry Rozier throws it down over Kevin Durant. For more information on how you can help Food Lion and the Hornets dunk hunger, visit hornets.com slash dunk hunger. Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the HHC. Rob Hornets hosting the defending world champion Los Angeles Lakers tonight, but the Lakers reeling a bit. They have lost eight of their last 13 games, going back to the date that LeBron James was hurt. Not the game after, but the actual game he was hurt in. They lost that one too. Eight losses out of the 13 games, and it just so happens that first game was the one after he played against the Hornets, LeBron and the Lakers as a whole. So, this will be an interesting one. The Lakers are still a very loaded team, and I think loaded in the right positions to give the Hornets some problems, namely center. Andre Drummond is starting to play better. He didn't have a great game last night in terms of scoring against the New York Knicks, but he's an exceptional center who's given the Hornets problems once already this year when he was a member of the Cleveland Cavaliers, and it looks as if Marc Gasol is closer to healthy. He played a little bit last night, not sure what his status is going to be for this one in terms of availability overall or minutes in particular. This is a Lakers team that has 
two former All-Star players at a position that has been an issue at times for the Hornets. Well, despite no LeBron, no AD, and a double-digit loss to the Knicks last night, the Lakers are still the Lakers. We saw what happened on Sunday when a team isn't fully loaded against the Hornets. Dennis Schroeder is as good as they come. He had 22 points last time the Hornets played the Lakers. And he had 21 last night. He is laboring through a hip injury, so we'll see if that affects him at all on the second night of a back-to-back. And Kyle Kuzma has also been a little bit banged up as of late. He still finished with 14 points last night. And again, you mentioned it. Andre Drummond wasn't on the Lakers last time that the Hornets and LA linked up out in LA. He's definitely going to pose a challenge against that small ball lineup, so... I wouldn't be surprised if we see more Cody Zeller, even some more Bismack Biombo. Thankfully, P.J. Washington is probable to play in the latest injury report that we saw with that ankle sprain that he suffered on Sunday. But I'm interested to see if there's any sort of, I don't want to say minutes restriction on him, but just making sure that he's a full go 100% because this Hornets team definitely cannot afford any more injuries right now. Well, that was far and away the best news of yesterday was P.J. Washington being listed as probable. Got to be honest, when I saw him go down live with the injury, I just had to go through my head, oh no, that didn't look good because he kind of got twisted up and fell down and he was not getting up right away. It did not look great. And then he went to the locker room. They came back as an ankle sprain, had him doubtful for the game, started to feel a little bit better seeing him listed as probable for today's game yesterday just a great great sign even if he doesn't play tonight and the hope is he will but even if he doesn't it at least kind of sets the tone for him moving forward it means that he's at least at a point where he can make an attempt and he'll see in warm-ups you know like if you're just ruled out if it's something like Malik Monk Malik Monk's definitely not going to play for a while. He's not able to move around like you have to be able to do in an NBA game. P.J. Washington, based off this initial projection, him being listed as probable, gives you a lot of hope that he can and hopefully will tonight. Quick preview of my three keys for this one, Rob. I'll get your take on these before we call it a day. Number one is bench scoring. I think the Hornets, I don't know what the starting lineup is going to look like. We could see an alteration to try and account for Andre Drummond, maybe, as well as, you know, not knowing exactly what's going to happen with P.J. Washington. But we could see a Cody Zeller or a Bismarck Biombo come into the starting lineup and maybe, just maybe, see one of those wings like a Miles Bridges or a Jalen McDaniels go to the bench. But whoever is coming off the bench they got to outscore the Lakers bench because the Lakers, with all their injuries, they're kind of front-loaded as well. So want to see the bench come through. Number two, fast break points. Lakers have been far from mistake-free in these last 13 games. Yesterday, they had more than 20 turnovers in their loss to the Knicks. Got to take advantage of that. Got to take some easy buckets where you can. And my third key is win the three-point line by five or more shots. This Lakers team is not a great three-point shooting team percentage-wise. We know with the Hornets' emphasis on guarding the paint, Lakers are probably going to get some extra looks from distance. But regardless... The Hornets have got to win the three-point arc because winning second-chance points, winning the paint overall, it's going to be a tough task. There's no getting around it. The Lakers are a big team with guys like Montrez Harrell and Andre Drummond. They're going to be very difficult. So the Hornets can keep it close on the interior and win the battle on the perimeter 
by a significant margin, five or more threes, I think they're in good shape for this one to have a, as good a chance as any to maintain their top seven position in the Eastern Conference. Well, that might be where that small ball lineup is able to come into play a little bit too, is if you're able to get out and run in transition just because of all those turnovers that the Lakers have. I mean, that poses a little bit more of an advantage, I would imagine, just because then that way you don't have a guy like Andre Drummond that's set and ready to defend the post and protect the rim and that sort of thing. So it'll be interesting to see what happens just in terms of that and in terms of James Borrego's philosophy of protecting the paint. It's going to be a extremely hard when you got a guy like Andre Drummond who obviously lives in the paint for lack of a better term so between those couple of keys and you're right about the three-point shooting as well the Hornets have taken a lot of threes the last couple of games so seeing a couple of those fall early could definitely be a good momentum starter and avoiding a slow start is another one I will add on that list for you Sam because the last couple games have definitely been a little bit of a slower start for the Hornets. We will see how it all transpires. 8 p.m. tip time tonight at Spectrum Center. The Hive should be alive again. If you're making plans to come join us at Spectrum Center, make sure you're adhering to all the mask rules. Social distancing is certainly in effect in Spectrum Center, making it a safe and inviting environment for all of our great Hornets fans. If you want to be a part of the group, go to Hornets.com for all of the information. Either way, we hope you'll tune in to the broadcast 8 p.m. on Sports Radio FNZ and the Hornets Radio Network. And the pregame show starts at 7 p.m. again on our flagship sports radio, FNZ. Rob, thanks as always for being a part of the Hornets Hivecast. Sure thing, Sam. Looking forward to this one. Always seems like there's a little bit more juice in the building when the purple and gold come to town. And the uh, purple and teal will try and keep that buzz in the building from that last Miles Bridges dunk as well. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. Again, we'll talk to you tonight for Hornets versus Lakers and then have our post-game podcast for you tomorrow wherever you get your podcasts. Till next time, for everyone here, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us here on the Hornets Hivecast and in the words of LaMelo Ball. Thank you. Have a good day. Wear your mask. Thanks for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.